after we talk to our expert. The Kavanaugh effect. Boy, the Kavanaugh story seems like it was a year ago. You but, know, I thought the same thing. We got an email on that topic today. It is still omnipresent on college campi. I remember, remember the time it was, uh, how's it going to affect the midterms? Well, there's a poll out on how it will affect voters, and I'll let you know which side it's going to energize more, because it's energizing both sides. Brad Garrett is ABC News news and terrorism analyst and joins us now. Good morning, Brad. How are you, sir? Excellent. Thank you. So let's start with the investigation of the mysterious devices, the evidence that might be available to the investigators. There's quite a bit, isn't there? You would think. Uh, maybe up to nine devices uh, at this moment. None exploded, so they all offer potential of DNA, fingerprints, other identifying information gives you <clears throat> how he built the bombs, how good he is or not good at building bombs. Are they real bombs? We still don't really know the answer to that. Um, and so that's a lot of potential leads. The other obvious thing would be how he got the packages to the locations. Did he deliver them? Did he use courier service? Did he use the postal service? Because each one of those would lend itself to to cameras in or around the facilities, uh, and, it, and, and somebody had to interact with a human being if they were actually placed, perhaps, uh, well, well, in, a, in a mail stream. One would think if it was a legitimate courier service, uh, they would be screaming right now, whoa, 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 somebody hired us to bring something to Joe Biden's office or home. That's us, and they'd call the FBI, and I wouldn't think this would take terribly long to unravel. No, if in fact that's actually occurred, or did he use some sort of private service that's really not a mainstream, or did he actually do it himself? Right. It, it, it remains to be seen, actually, actually, how the packages got there. You said himself, so you assume it's a male. Sexism. Well, it's it's pretty much across the board males. I could be fooled. I know. It's a male. Uh, it's know, a white male. It, that's what I'm guessing. Probably, and it's probably not a group. There are it's different kinds of crimes. This is a, this is an old white male crime. It just it's just it is. That's rank speculation, Jack. Um, Brad uh, and I are going to deal with facts. Uh, uh, I'm a little confused by so if if I get some PVC pipe and a clock and tape them together and mail them to somebody, it kind of looks like a bomb, but it's not really technically a bomb. How does that fit as a crime or whatever? I mean, it's supposed because, to because people, are, people believe it's a bomb, right? It's kind of like walking in to rob a bank with a gun that what doesn't fire. You still the teller thinks it's real, right. so the, you've still violated all sorts of potential domestic uh, terrorism laws, uh, transportation of explosive devices. See, I'm going to guess that it may have explosive material in it, perhaps, but really not uh, either poorly built or not designed to go off well, at all. I haven't done this, but it's my understanding that with like. Five minutes of Google research, you could come up with how to build a bomb fairly effectively. He didn't try very hard, did he? Or he's just bad at it? it, it, Yeah, he's really bad at it, or he's really bad at timers uh, and detonators. So we'll have to see. That's usually the tricky part of these bombs. I can believe that. That's actually how you set them off. I heard from one analyst, Brad, who seemed to have a pretty good source, although you have to take everything with a grain of salt early on, especially, but uh, that the uh, the timers were very much of the from a movie uh, department, and that they were just taped to the middle to make it look extra bomby, but that if, oh, that's right, it was a bomb tech talking about this. But he said, if, if you're going to actually make a bomb to go off, that'd be a silly way to do it. You heard yeah, anything about true. that? No, I have heard that. Yeah. So that, that, that makes sense. And, uh, and So that would fit, if that's true, 
then that would fit that this was done to, to terrorize people, but not to harm them. Yeah, exactly. If your intent was to scare people versus actually uh, try to blow people up. Um, exactly. Uh, well, I, I know you don't have a lot of time because you're talking to everybody in America today about this, but uh, you have any guesses or do you not the sort of guy who guesses? Well, I make informed guesses, but I don't know, you know, is this a guy that's angry, probably disenfranchised, uh, probably introverted, has a secretive place he could actually build these bombs, uh, and he just basically has is totally intolerant How about any, to people around him. I hate to jump in here, but uh, we've been speculating any chance the Russians did this. Seems like a great well, ploy knows? by them. I mean, who knows? I mean, maybe, but I, I don't. That wouldn't go to the top of my list yet. But mm-hmm. you know, there's there's been so many screwy things go on in in reference to the Russians and others as far as man, manipulating us to think a certain way. That uh, you know, that uh, l- let's see. I'm going to guess that's not it. But you know, I, okay. I could. We'll see. We'll see. Fair enough. Brad okay. Garrett, ABC News terrorism analyst. Hey, uh, Brad. Thanks a million. Good to talk to you. Take care. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah, there's there's not much at this point. There's not much. The law enforcement uh, investigation is so huge right now and so multi-layered and, and massive and, and so interesting. Um, I wish we could have gotten him to talk about that, but his time was, was pretty limited. Just the way they send out teams, um, the local guys working with the FBI who are running this thing now and uh, some of the counterterrorism folks from the, uh, what do you call it, the, uh, the uh, Amalgamated Terrorism Inc., the uh, coalition uh, task force um, just going out and tracking down leads and everybody's got their department. And everybody's reporting back. And it's just this massive, most efficient uh, investigatory machine that exists on Earth. It's really fun to watch to the extent that we get to watch. And they all had the return address. Did I hear this? Of Debbie Wasserman Schultz. So she yeah. was the return address on all of them. Well, has anybody asked her if she's mailing bombs to all these people? I, I think that's the place to start, Jack. Yeah, obviously, it's the place Never to start. Never overlook the most likely explanation. And just because she says, no, I didn't do it, I wouldn't take that at face value. You turn her house upside down, you waterboard her. Oh, boy, that's controversial. you got to get the information. That's controversial. So... I just, as usual, I, I didn't love the way Trump handled it last night at his, his rally. I just, I thought there was a better way to do it. He's tweeted this morning about it, so we will uh, we'll have the latest on that in Marshall's News. I promise this all paid off really quickly. The Kavanaugh effect for the election, which is, the election is less than two weeks away, but there's going to be, what would you guess, three stories we haven't even thought of yet that will affect people's votes. Giant, everybody's talking about them stories. If yes. not more. Yes. Just because of the pace I'd of things. I'd say three is the over-under. And I'm tempted to bet the over. So, I don't know. Well, I, I do know something here from the poll as of today. The Kavanaugh effect. Remember whenever the whole country that was riveted by this? This was the number uh, one show. Judge Kavanaugh, I remember that. This was the number one show in America. That was, what, 2008? 2008? Yeah, I know. Seems like a year ago at least. And if you'd have had the election three weeks ago, that would have informed a lot of people's votes, but not as many today. 35% of people say they're more likely to vote Democrat because of the Kavanaugh story. 27% more likely to vote Republican. So there's actually more Democrats motivated by the Kavanaugh thing than Republicans, at least according to the current poll. But the biggest number is it won't affect my vote at 37% mm. at this point. And I've got to believe that it won't affect my vote number is going to go up as we get closer to Election Day because stories just don't have any sticking ability. With all the new things coming along all the time. It's funny, we got a, uh, a note, an email. You can mail uh, email us anytime at mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. 
but uh, one of our, our friends who is currently studying in a college that uh, the Kavanaugh thing is omnipresent in gender studies and grievance studies type classes. They're still hammering it as an example of how men don't have to face consequences for their actions, how high schools reinforce masculine rape culture. Yep, he writes, that's what passes for high-level academic discussion these days. We talked a little bit about it yesterday. Younger Americans, thank God, are better than older Americans at telling what's fake news and what's not, what's news and what's opinion. We can break down that poll, among other things, on the way on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Oh, we just mentioned how the Kavanaugh, the biggest Kavanaugh effect at this point on the election coming up is that most people say it's not going to have an effect. That's the biggest number. Another story. Remember the big story a few days ago, the Khashoggi killing. Oh, where is that? Sure. So MBS yesterday comes out and gives a speech and says... It was just awful. It's an affront to all Saudis. Uh, we're all heartbroken. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which was, okay. Take that for what it's worth. Um, um, that story will have no implications by the time we get to uh, Election Day, I'm thinking. Ah, uh, no. I, no. Only the fringiest of fringy right. effects. Now, this is not political, I don't think, but it's certainly societal. The Catholic Church sex scandal touching every neighborhood where we're privileged to broadcast, diocese after diocese, uh, fessing up, issuing their records, and letting people know the true horrors that took place. We have some really interesting reaction perspective from y'all, which we'll do right after the top of the hour news next hour. Um, Some good perspectives, some interesting thoughts about the history of sexual abuse and the way it was viewed, um, the the factors that have led to this in the Catholic Church. We have some insiders saying, listen, I've seen some of this stuff unfold, and here's the way it works. Uh, it's, it's really good. And, again, we'll have that right after the top of the hour news. And then, I believe during the fourth hour, we're talking to the lead attorney who's suing the Vatican on behalf of victims in the Bay Area of California. Awesome. This might be the one that changes things, I hope. We'll, we'll see. We haven't talked about the college sports scandal. Maybe we should get somebody on about that at some point. This, this might be the reckoning that has been coming for decades in college sports, particularly college basketball. I'm uh, not, I'm dimly aware of this. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's taken off at a level that it never has before. And this might upend everything, and it should be upended. The, the whole, fact that college basketball players are employees, clearly, right. and there's the, just no pretending otherwise. The whole college sports thing is so off the rails and has been for so long. Yeah. Uh, They're professional minor leagues, this time obviously. It's, absolutely. And this time it's mostly around the shoe manufacturers, the big shoe manufacturers, Nike and Adidas, and how much money they spend to get certain players to certain schools. Schools do deals with shoes. Of course they do, because where you send little Jenny or little Mark to college, of course they do a giant gazillion dollar deal with a shoe manufacturer because of their sports team, and that is a lot of money for the revenue, whatever. Right. Um, 
Uh, but that might all be coming to an end. The, the whole and I read an article the other day that said this might finally be the end of the myth of the student athlete once and for all. It's it's been a joke for so long, right? And and who's really getting screwed? I've never minded players getting money from a, from some sponsor bottom car. That's no. never bothered me in the least. I used to get money. For walking up and down store aisles to see whether we were out of a certain game in the toy department. And if we were, I'd go back into the warehouse and put that game on the shelf. <laughs> I got money for that. What about the sanctity of putting toys on the shelves? It's just silly. These guys do a job that makes a lot of money for somebody. They deserve a cut. The, the student-athlete thing. And it does exist in some forms. Oh, of course it does. And it's great. Of and course it's it does, fun. And it builds character. And it's interesting. Ob- but... Obviously not what we're talking about. Right. They're talking yeah. about the really big-time college basketball programs, particularly Duke, Kentucky, and Kansas are the ones that are really under a lot of scrutiny. But I tell you what, though. It is unsolvable in the era of a Title IX. Because you're going to have the uh, Duke basketball players and the Alabama football players getting paid. And the girls lacrosse team, or a guy's golf team, but it mostly it's going to be a Title IX thing with the women, are going to say, yeah, what about us? And then we're going to have to deal with that. Well, you generate no revenue, so you get no revenue, which is actually a perfectly reasonable way to approach it in my world. But (laughs) there will be so many lawsuits. The environmentalists, with their phony lawsuits, are going to have to get in line and wait behind the aggrieved college girls. So good luck, judges. Somebody I know and really like uh, was upset that the highest paid person on a particular campus was the college basketball coach. And I thought, I, I hope that some economics class makes it clear why that is. Do you know how much money that history professor brings into the university? Practically zero. Maybe if they're a big name, a little bit, but certainly not tens of millions of dollars. Like the big-time coach does. I don't want to be disrespectful because a lot of people's minds seem to work this way, and we all have different brains, and they work different ways. But where does the notion come from that pay, financial remuneration, piles of dollars, reflect or should reflect your particular version of moral worth or, like, quote-unquote, importance? How, where did you get the idea that it's about what you think let is me, valuable, let you me and your a, peers? Let me make a strong statement Oh no, that will hurt people's feelings. Oh, no. I hope it won't lead to a fake bombing. Anybody who ever says, you have football players who get $30 million a year and a teacher gets $60,000 a year. Anybody who says that with that tone of voice or doesn't understand the way that is, you are an idiot. Oh, oh. That's not fair because your your brain power might be of of, of normal ability right but you are so uninformed you're I mean, sadly lacking in oh, insight sadly. Can you just settle on that how can you possibly I'm trying not, to bring people together how here. can you possibly not noodle that through yeah now, now me a big brain of course i knew that remun remuneration remuneration <laughs> yes was sure, money whatever. paid for worker service i did not have to google that to figure that out <laughs> but i just wanted to let listeners know that maybe driving not able to google what that meant right i'm sorry i, I didn't I, have to google it i'm very smart I, I, somebody ate a dictionary <laughs> Yeah, but one of the sorry. one of the problems obviously is if you've got a, a a a basketball team 
that is regularly, you know, number one in the country, and you generate tens of millions of dollars, and and there are millions of dollars worth of people wearing that guy's jersey with his freaking name on it, right. and he gets zero cut of it. Yeah, that's a weird system. Not only zero cut, but they are also forbidden to go get an actual job. So you're you're right. generating all this money. It's not even that just the handouts, but you can't even go get a for reasons that exist. But you can't yeah. go get a, yeah. a job at a grocery store. Uh, it is, I dare say, uh, un-American. Sure. So, but anyway. it finally might be coming to an end. Speaking of colleges, oh, do you have something you're j- jumping into? Uh, one entertainment note I wanted to make: Leo DiCaprio is joining up with Martin Scorsese again. I Ooh. love it when they team up. They've made some really fantastic movies to make a great book into a movie. If you're familiar with Killers of the Flower Moon, which I talked about a couple of years oh, ago when it came out. Oh, that the nasty, nasty Indian book? The Osage Indians in the 20s discovered oil on their land and became the wealthiest people in the world per capita. And then they started being murdered one by one. <sighs> and the newly formed FBI started investigating it and how good a job they did or didn't do. Oh. And trying to figure that out is the subject of the movie. And, and it's what's the really name of the, the book again? Killers of the Flower Moon. Oh, I was thinking of the other one, the Summer Moon, about the brutality of the Indian tribes and the uh, their wars and the, the, yeah, their tortures. D- and That's a different book. That's a different book. There's Too this, many books. This is about the brand new FBI trying to figure out who was killing off all these Indians because they discovered oil and became the richest people in the world. Mm. And it's a hell of an interesting story. I mean, it's Leonardo DiCaprio and Martin Scorsese. It's almost guaranteed to be fantastic. Yeah, wow. All right. A blockbuster, which I'll probably see someday on pay-per-view. Because I don't want to go to the theater with human beings in it. I don't want to sit next to somebody wrinkling cellophane wrappers. Looking at texts. Looking at texts! This is the United States. Exactly. For using my phone in USA, United States of America, where you are free to text in a theater. Right. It's a good point. Counterpoint. <laughs> United States. <laughs> well, she's worked up. Right. I give her a break. Sometimes I get worked up. <laughs> We've noticed. It right, reminds me this friend of mine in college who got in a, a heated argument with his girlfriend, and she slammed the door on him and he yelled well you're gonna miss me and that's for effing fur <laughs> and he stormed away from the door and, and he told me that later he said i didn't know if like to to, to restate it to go back and correct it i mean what i meant was <laughs> god i you see Paul, you see politicians do that all the time they work their way back uh, way up to their applause line that's and that's why we're going to bring America back to America. Oh, no. <laughs> and you just hear his stream shrink. She slams oh. the door and he says, and you're going to miss me, and that's for effing fur. <laughs> and then do you. I mean, sure. <laughs> I meant sure. <laughs> do you fix it? Do you go. Excuse me. Can I have a second take on that? Some days, all you can do, Jack, is slump your shoulders and shuffle home. Do you, do you assume the sentiment is the same whether you get the syntax writer? She knows what you meant. Do you go with that? No. You shuffle the, home. The moment is past. Um, what's coming up in your news, Marshall? Well, as reports of more suspicious packages roll in, President Trump has taken Twitter aim at the media. We've got a new report. The caravan's starting to fall apart as they march toward the border. And Google has got a new deal for you. I'm sure they do. I'm sure they do. And it'll be for my benefit, I think, too. Probably, right? Because they're nice people. (laughs) Um, And we're going to get into the Khashoggi reactions in the Middle East with a good reporter coming up later on the Armstrong and Getty Show. 
Too much news, Joe just said. There's too much news. The government needs to step in. Yeah, we need to have a cap on how much news we can have per day. Once we hit, say, six stories, everybody just reports on those. I do want to play what Megyn Kelly said about blackface. Is it worth hearing? I've just heard about it. Sure. And then her uh, apology, which apparently isn't flying, and now NBC's going to fire her, probably. I think they're just looking for an excuse. But Yeah. Yeah. Let's get the news now with Marsha Phillips. Boy, I'll tell you, it doesn't stop. A second package addressed to former Vice President Joe Biden has now been intercepted at a mail facility in Wilmington, Delaware. Is this the first person that received two packages? Yes. Oh. As far as we know. As far as we know. Now, a source telling the Associated Press it has similar markings and characteristics as the packages containing uh, suspicious content that were sent to other prominent Democrats. I didn't know too many stamps was a sign of a crazy person. Oh, I, yeah. I regularly do that. Well, there you go. <laughs> do we have Trump saying this is a big effing deal? <laughs> It'd be kind of appropriate right now. And this morning we had I'm another... not Trump, uh, Biden. Sorry, Biden saying this is a big effing deal. And this morning we had another suspicious package. This one was taken away from a building associated with actor Robert De Niro. As the news was breaking uh, more suspicious packages this morning, President Trump took uh, to Twitter to go after the media. Tweeting this morning, quote, A very big part of the anger we see today in our society is caused by the purposely false and inaccurate reporting of the mainstream media that I refer to as fake news. It has gotten so bad and hateful that it is beyond description. Mainstream media must clean up its act fast. Which uh, little Mika Brzezinski on MSNBC's Morning Joseph said this morning is clearly a threat. Clearly a threat from the president to the nation's press. And the unity lasted about a second. Okay. We got a new report out that says the CIA director, Gina Haspel, has heard a recording of the Saudi journalist being killed. Oof. He disappeared, as you know, after going inside the Saudi consulate in Istanbul, Turkey. Turkish officials claim that Khashoggi was tortured and killed inside the consulate, and today they had an audio recording of the investigation. We're not not playing part of that, are we? No, we're not. Yeah, I don't want to hear that. We're going to talk to No, it's a source close to a person who says that uh, Gina Haspel heard it. Yes. We're going to uh, talk to the Washington Post Baghdad Bureau Chief coming up. There's somebody who knows about that area of the world. And what's going on? The relationships between the various players. That's that's what I'm interested in. Why, as Joe's been asking all along, why are we all of a sudden taking Turkey's word for anything? Right. Let alone everything. They're they're the by far the number one source of information on this story. Right. And with all due respect to the egregiousness of snatching a guy up and killing him in your own consulate on practically on camera. The idea that a Saudi dissident was killed is like, yeah, we, we call that Tuesday in the Middle East. Yeah. Like, um, so why the disproportionate attention, reaction? It's all very interesting. And you know who uh, beats journalists in the street to keep them from reporting? Turkey, right. for crying out loud. <laughs> little by little, sickness, fear, and police harassment are whittling down the migrant caravan making its way to the U.S. border. Though at least uh, four or 5,000 migrants did camp out overnight. In a town in southern Mexico, they are back on the march this morning. The group planned to uh, depart at dawn today, which they have, despite complaining of exhaustion and sickness, and they still have more than a 1,000 miles to go. More and more are deciding to take the Mexican government's offer to go ahead and return home. So the caravan may be losing some steam as it moves toward the southern border. There's a popular Facebook meme kicking around yesterday. People saying, 
3,000 of us need to get together and march to the gates of Disneyland and demand to be let in because it's much more pleasant than our regular lives. I think that's not a terrible comparison. So just because you want to doesn't mean you get to. But the, So this caravan's still a long way from the border. It could just peter out and not, not make it, huh? Yeah, that's what, that's what they're looking at. We got a new poll indicating a California rent control initiative is indeed headed for defeat. The latest poll shows 60% of likely voters say they are going to vote no on Prop 10. I'm stunned. I can't believe the people of California would ever vote the right way on a proposition. (laughs) I'm amazed. Measure would uh, repeal a current rental housing act, which strictly limits rent control in cities statewide. But it looks like that is definitely, or it looks like that is headed for defeat. Because rent rent is too damn high. That may be true, my friend, but rent control always reduces supply and raises rents on average. It's a shame, isn't it? But that's just true. We have a new function on Google. It's going to make it easier for you to delete your search history. The function was launched yesterday. It allows desktop, mobile, and Google app users to go ahead and delete their search history right from the search page. All you got to do is click on... From con- their history on your device. Certainly Google's not getting rid of your search history. Well, they're, says, they're holding on to that forever. Just click on control your data in Google search to delete your recent or all search history. Teat. The... <laughs> For example, <laughs> you know, it is hilarious, yet a, a horrifying irony that the one clip we use repeatedly from the great Charles Krauthammer is that. Yeah. What percentage of, of search history de- deletes are pornographic? All of them. Unless you Google how to kill my husband and then you reconcile. Right. There you go. That's a wrap. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips. Here I'm starting Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. Ring the bell. That reminds me, I meant to talk about there's a uh, a high-profile divorce lawyer that's got a book out, and he says Facebook is one of the worst things that ever happened to marriages. Oh, boy. Which I don't doubt a bit. Oh, boy. Yeah, I believe that. Uh, Washington Post Baghdad Bureau Chief. I want to know what the Khashoggi story looks like from there. You're here, moments away. On the Armstrong and Getty Show. I remember when, I remember, I remember when I lost my... Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So our guest is actually in Istanbul. Well, that's pretty handy. Right. Let's not waste another minute. Let's get right to a conversation with Tamer El Gobashi, Washington Post Baghdad bureau chief, who is in Istanbul today. Sir, welcome. Uh, we certainly appreciate your time. Tell us uh, from the perspective in the Middle East, um, how is this story being viewed? What is at stake? Uh, thanks for having me, gentlemen. Uh, I'm happy to be with you. Well, uh, today we had a a fairly significant development um, in which the Saudis um, said that based on information that they received from the Turks, uh, have determined or at least have have accepted the uh, conclusion that this was a premeditated murder, which is a major reversal uh, from uh, from their reaction over the last three weeks. Of course, we know initially they said that they they believe Jamal Khashoggi had left their consulate in Istanbul uh, safe and sound, and they had no idea about his whereabouts. 
And finally, about two weeks later, they said that uh, he, he was in fact killed in a um, fist fight at the at the uh, consulate uh, during a um, what they called a rogue operation. Today, finally, they seem to be accepting what uh, Turkey has insisted on for the past three weeks is that if this was a premeditated operation to target him uh, at, at the very least for rendition back to Saudi Arabia and at worst for killing. Mm-hmm. So this, we're, we're still waiting for the fallout from this. Uh, I spoke to a senior Turkish official uh, shortly after the Saudi announcement, and he said that this is exactly the conclusion that they were hoping the Saudis would come to, and this is the only acceptable conclusion. And it, it, it seems clear uh, from uh, the Turkish president uh, Erdogan's speech earlier this week that they will settle for really no less than senior Saudi officials being held to task for this, which, is, of course, has implications for the entire region and for the United States and Europe. Well, the reason uh, I the reason I phrased the the opening question the way I did is that the the Turks are not exactly disinterested parties. They have interest in the region as well. What is their relationship to Saudi Arabia, and what's the push and pull happening right now geopolitically? Sure. Well, officially, Saudi Arabia and Turkey are allies. Um, however, uh, they are at the same time uh, rivals for you know what what people have said is sort of the. The, uh, which country holds the mantle of Sunni Islam in the region, both politically and maybe on, on, a, on a cultural level? Um, as you mentioned, Turkey is very interested in seeing uh, Saudi Arabia get knocked down a few pegs uh, uh, geopolitically. And you know, Saudi Arabia has been at the epicenter of the Trump administration uh, foreign policy in the Middle East. And uh, certainly Turkey wants to see that uh, diminished quite a bit uh they 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 are they have uh mutual interests in many ways but they've clashed in their vision for syria for example uh so this stands to be a pretty critical moment in in saudi arabia's uh, standing as far as its position in the middle east goes uh but you know there are indications already that you know they may survive this without much sanction from anywhere uh we saw yesterday that there was quite an enthusiastic uh uh, reception for the Crown Prince uh, Mohammed bin Salman at his uh, investment conference, which was uh, fairly well attended despite some high-profile uh, companies and, and government officials, uh, international government officials, pulling out. So it remains to be seen how this is going to play out, how this latest Saudi announcement is going to play in Washington in particular. Uh, it really rests on uh, the uh, Trump administration uh, reacting to this. And it comes at around the same time uh, the CIA director, Gina Haskell, uh, has returned to Washington from a visit to the Turkish capital, where uh, intelligence officials have told the Washington Post that she indeed listened to the central piece of evidence that the Turks uh, prefer to have, which is an audio of the actual killing itself. Uh, so one has to wonder uh, about the timing of the Saudi announcement uh, with with uh, the CIA director's visit to Turkey. What's the recent history of the way they handle journalists in Turkey? It's not that great, is it? Uh, it's certainly very poor. Turkey is the number one jailer of uh, journalists, according to the Committee to Protect Journalists. Uh, it, in fact, I think... Up, uh, I think something like 73 journalists are currently jailed uh, over the past couple of years as President Erdogan has sought to uh, really put his stamp on the country. 
uh, amid uh, some challenges that included a, a coup attempt. Um, so it, it really, there is an irony to Turkey being the number one uh, defender of of Jamal Khashoggi and and you know the the country that's uh, working very hard to bring uh, the truth of his fate to light, while at the same time uh, Turkish journalists have been subjected to extraordinary, uh, uh, whether it be uh, censorship or outright uh, criminal prosecution on, on pretty dubious charges. Tamarel Gobashi is the Washington Post's Baghdad bureau chief. He's on the line with us. And that brings us, and as the Baghdad bureau chief, I, uh, I'm sure you're aware of the dangers of uh, reporting in Baghdad and Iran and certainly, uh, God knows, Syria. So we're wondering, why has there been such attention paid to the disappearance of one journalist? Is, is it because it was so... Uh, bald-faced and 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 bold and egregious and abduction and killing is it? Um, is this all uh, the levers of of geopolitics being being pushed? Why such so much attention? I think you've you've hit on on two major things. Is that uh, of course there's the geopolitics involved and you know the rivalries uh, between uh, you know the the, the Turkish uh, government and the you know Saudi royal court, but. Um, much more than that, I think it's it's the symbolism here. Uh, this was a uh, a journalist who had been very much a insider in the Saudi uh, royal court. He acted as a unofficial spokesman for the Saudi royals uh, at various points in his career, and he had turned um, critic uh, once uh, the young crown prince became the de facto ruler. Uh, and he was well-known in Washington. He was well-known in the Middle East. He had many uh, friends in Washington and in the Middle East who are of a high profile. He, his charisma uh, was uh, the, the sort that made him, um, you know, he could easily move between circles uh, in Washington and in the Middle East. So there's his high profile in addition to the uh, almost the, the, the brazenness of the, of the act. I mean, this was a person who was, killed in a diplomatic mission uh, in, a, in another country. Uh, it's brazen. Uh, the, the apparent incompetence of the operation, the, um, some of the more bizarre elements, uh, like the Saudi agents, um, you know, one of them being a lookalike and them trying to stage a, a sort of ruse in which somebody puts on his clothing and walks around Istanbul so he, he can be caught on camera right. as a way for them to claim that you know, he walked out. There are so many elements, but uh, ultimately, I think it, 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 at this moment in time, uh, it is very indicative of Saudi Arabia's um, sort of uh, uh, bid to uh, put uh, to stamp itself as a, as a regional power and a power to be reckoned with. But it's just the latest in a series of, of really head-scratching moves by the young crown prince which have included and i wish i wish we had i wish we had time to follow up on that point unfortunately we're running very short on time but maybe someday we can uh talk about mohammed bin solomon and 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 what kind of guy he is with you tamar el gabashi washington post baghdad bureau chief is in istanbul right now we know how busy you are and we truly appreciate your time thanks no problem thanks for having me I thought that was really interesting. I hope y- you did on a couple of levels. You you got to take all this through the lens of what, especially when we're talking to Washington Post reporters. It was one of their employees. A lot of these people were friends with Khashoggi, mm-hmm. so they have a different view of it than you know a more uh, personal. Yeah, they're obvious. angry and aggrieved. Yeah, yeah. obviously. 
But um, the fact that Turkey is the number one jailer of journalists on planet Earth, come on. Right. Let's be a little skeptical about their information now and and get away from this whole, they're trying to stand up for journalism in the world, is what this is about. Right. They're a righteous seeker after of justice. Not really. And and restating. (laughs) Thank you, Michael. Lighter Beautiful. side of the theater holster. of the mind, and uh, and and restating again that Khashoggi was a spokesman for the old Saudi regime, which is one of the most repressive regimes on planet Earth. He evolved. That's what they say. He evolved, or his country evolved to where they no longer liked Islamists, which MBS does not like. He wasn't right. gonna. He wasn't gonna know. He was no longer gonna do the deal with your Wahhabist and your Muslim Brotherhood types. He has no time for that, and that's what Khashoggi is. CNN tweeting a uh, a news uh, bit that uh, Jamal Khashoggi's son has been allowed to leave Saudi Arabia after previously not being allowed to leave, and it's accompanied by a picture of the young man shaking hands with the crown prince. Which is a chilling image indeed. Wow, The man no who almost certainly ordered the terrible death of his father and holds his life in his hands saying, uh, I did not order this. It was uh, others who were out of control. Uh, we are friends, you and I. I wish you well. Boy, we got a lot of responses on the whole Catholic Church thing. That and other stuff coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show.